You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. Welcome, everyone. Good afternoon to each and every one of you. My name is Pastor Mark, and it is truly an honor and a privilege to be with you on Christmas Eve. Uh, We want to give a special welcome to those of you who are visiting with us. Thank you for being with us. Kids, I want to give a special welcome um, to you. Thanks for being here, kids. We are pumped that you are here with us. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of yourself at Christmas. Thank you for a baby that was wrapped in cloths and lying in a major, and yet was the great I am, the sovereign, holy, powerful God of the universe, coming in love and humility for us. We thank you for Christmas, God. We thank you for the wonder and the majesty that Christmas brings. We thank you for the hope that it gives us. We thank you for the peace and the joy that we're reminded of, all found in you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to open our hearts, open our minds, that we would um, turn on our brains and think, God, that we would search the depths of our own soul, Lord, and run it according to um, your word. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's start by reading Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. Many of you will recognize this very famous passage. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to start... And this afternoon, by asking you a question, um, how many of you would consider Christmas to be an extremely restful season in your life? Oh, yeah, okay, we got a few people who may or may not be lying. Um, for most people, uh, when we describe the Christmas season, there's lots of words that we would use to describe Christmas, um, but very rarely, um, except in a few blessed cases, is the word rest normally associated with Christmas. And if we go a little bit deeper, um, past the surface, thinking about the physical drain that Christmas can have on us in the hustle and the bustle of the season, we find something deeper about ourselves that Christmas often exposes, and it's this. Emotionally and spiritually, we long for rest for our minds and 
our souls. Because there's two sides to the Christmas coin, isn't there? There's the wonder and the majesty of the verses that we just read and the carols that we sing that remind us of hope. There's the joy of gift giving and gift receiving and the joy of being around family and friends and loved ones. But the flip side to Christmas often reminds us and can even expose in us a lot of our stresses, anxieties, and shine light on some of the most painful parts of our lives. When money is tight, we're certainly reminded of it at Christmas, aren't we? When we have broken relationships with our spouse or our kids or our parents or our friends, right? People that used to be a part of the Christmas season and now no longer are, or sometimes even more painfully, are awkwardly still around in some sort of way. Christmas shines a big, bright light on the painful relationships in our lives. The Christmas season can also be um, a reminder of our struggles or our failures, right? Making awkward small talk about the job that we're embarrassed of, or maybe the lack of job or seeming lack of purpose in our life altogether can be a painful thing to do at Christmas. Or maybe it's the reminder of how 2023 actually went, right? And where you are right now compared to where you dreamed you would be when you were telling your friends and family your hopes and dreams at Christmas in 2022. For some, Christmas this year is a painful reminder of someone who you loved who is no longer with us. It may be fresh this year, right? Or a reminder that the pain never really goes away even 5, 10, 20 years later. And if we dig even a little bit deeper past our physical past, our emotions, and into our souls, we can find that Christmas can often expose things about our soul. For one thing, Christmas often exposes that we're not normally very content people, are we? As we compare our lives to the people around us without really knowing their struggles or their pain. That can cause pain in us. It can also expose the true lack of joy that we have, right? As we maybe fake it around family or friends or coworkers at church even, because we feel that we're supposed to do that, even though God calls us to do the opposite. Christmas can expose the fact that we're often ashamed of who we are, who God created us to be, and the things he has given us or not given us in this life. Christmas often exposes our pain and our grief and our sin, right? And it exposes the fact that our souls desperately long for rest. Does your soul not long for rest, right? From anxiety or shame or pain or sin. All of our souls crave rest. And here's the good news. This is what was promised that very first Christmas I want to take you on a journey through scripture. If we had three hours, I'd take you on a long journey, but we have 20 minutes, so we're taking a shortcut. Uh, But I want to show you, according to God's word, where to find that rest for your soul and what that should cause in us this Christmas. Our journey starts in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, right at the creation of the world in Genesis chapter 3. It says this, and they, the they is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? This produces a couple of questions in us, doesn't it? The first one is this. Have you ever thought about what made the Garden of Eden so amazing? Right? It's not just the stuff you read in kids' books that the trees were awesome to climb or the food was really good to eat or hanging out with lions would be awesome, even though hanging out with lions would be awesome. Right? The garden was amazing because Adam and Eve were with God. They were in God's presence. Right? And then question number two that we see right off the hop is why are they hiding? Right? If you remember the account of, of Adam and Eve, you remember they're hiding because they sinned. Right? They didn't obey. And so they went from loving the presence of God to being ashamed in the presence of God. And because they didn't obey, therefore the Lord God sent them out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he, that means Adam, was taken. Right? So where were Adam and Eve removed from? Right? They were removed from not just Eden, but they were removed from the presence of God. Why? Because they didn't trust and obey God. And so what, we, what I want to show you right from the start of Scripture, right from creation, we see this pattern, right? That there is rest in the presence of God, right? Did they have to work hard for their food in the garden? No. Did they have anxiety about their life in the garden? No. Did they have pain or grief or death in the garden? No. Did their souls long for anything? No. Why? They had rest. They had rest for their souls. Their souls were at peace and completely satisfied because they rested in and clung to the presence of God. And yet when they didn't trust God, when they didn't obey God, they were removed from his presence and they, they no longer had rest. Instead of the rest, they had to go work the ground, right? Instead, they had pain, anxiety, hardship, and death. This is the pattern that we see in scripture. Let's see if it continues. Let's look at the book of Exodus quickly. This is Moses, this verse here in Exodus 33. Moses is talking to God. After God has led them um, out of slavery in Egypt, God says this to Moses as they trek towards the promised land. This is what he said. And he, I mean God, said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. This is one of the clearest connections that I can show you, right? That he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God's presence will go with the Israelites. Do you remember how God demonstrated his presence to the Israelites as they were moving from Egypt into the promised land? He showed themselves, he led um, his people through that pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He was with his people. And then notice in this text, who's going to give the rest? God. And I will give you rest. And so we have already come up with this very helpful little equation right off the bat, just looking at a few verses. What do we see? We see God's work plus God's presence equals rest for the human soul. That's the key. It's God's work plus God's presence equals rest for the human soul. And how do they access that rest? They trust and obey. 
They trust and obey. Let's see it continue here in Deuteronomy. Everyone's favorite book, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says this. And because he loved your fathers and they chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence. Isn't that cool? You ever thought about that as they brought him out of Egypt? With his own presence by his great power. Right? What do we see here? We see the same pattern, don't we? Right? So they were delivered from slavery. Right? The Israelites were in slavery. And then God does work and brings them out. Right? So they were in pain and hardship and suffering. And then how do they get brought out of that? By God's presence and God's work. Right? And what was their part to do? Do you remember the account of how they left Egypt? What was their part? They were to trust and obey. They were to trust and obey God's command. And what was the command as they were leaving that night? To cover the doorposts of their houses in the blood of the Lamb. That's how they showed that they would trust and obey God. One more here in Deuteronomy in this little section in Deuteronomy chapter 12, 9 through 11, um, God basically lays out this concept of presence and rest, what he desires for his people. So if you look there at the start, it says this, for you have not yet as come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. So what was God's desire? What does he want to give you? He wants to give you rest. Right? He wants to give you rest. From all the things that we just talked about at the start, God wants to give you rest. And so how is he going to do that? Right? Look in the red there. The, the rest in the Old Testament for the Israelites was connected to the land that he wanted to give them in the promised land. And so how was God going to do that? God was taking them from slavery. He was bringing them to a new place where they would have rest, and he was going to fight all their battles for them. Do you remember that? When he said, you go out ahead, but I'm going to do all the fighting, right? You don't have to do anything. You stand there, watch me work. And so God does, and he goes, and he does the work, and he wants to give them this land. And then look at what the rest is in the land, right? The rest is not just physical, right? Yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, the goal is no more enemies coming to attack you, that God would protect them, right? But what, um, it's not just those things. It's not just physical, but it's most fully experienced in God dwelling with his people and his people worshiping him through trust and obedience. Look, you say, where's the trust? Look at, look at in the purple there. It says, to make his name dwell there. What's that? Presence right? And there you shall bring all that I command you. What's that? Obedience, right? And what's the purpose for the presence with obedience? Your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. What's the green? It's worship. It's worship, right? That is how they were going to experience God's rest is through being with him and worshiping him in trust and obedience. One last one in 1 Samuel. We come to 1 Samuel, and now the, the Israelites, right, if you're keeping track of where we are in the story, the Israelites, they're now living in this promised land. Right? So they're living in the land, the rest that God had provided for them. 
But then we're not very far into things, and what do they do? They say this. They say, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel goes to God, and he's like, God, what do I do? And God says, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. What did the Israelites reject? Right? They rejected God's presence. Right? They didn't want him to be their king. They didn't want him to be their leader. They didn't want to trust and obey him. They didn't want to follow him. And then if you know the Old Testament story, what happens for the rest of the Old Testament? Do they experience a whole pile of rest? No. What happens? They go through turmoil after turmoil after turmoil until they end up with their cities burned and they're scattered and enslaved or dead. That's the story. That's what happens in the Old Testament. So quick recap, because I know we went quickly. So we started with Adam and Eve, right? They enjoyed rest in the presence of God, but then they didn't trust and obey, so they didn't have rest. The Israelites were in slavery, right? So they're in pain, they're in bondage, and then through God's work, in that corner of that verse, God's presence, he brought them out of slavery with the goal of taking them to the promised land, right? Where he would fight to clear their enemies and they would enjoy rest, earthly blessings, milk and honey, right? No enemies, but most importantly, that he would dwell with them and that they would worship him and they would experience the peace and the joy that comes from being with God. But they didn't trust him and they didn't obey, right? They didn't want him to be their king, so then they didn't get the rest. And so instead what they experienced is hardship and pain and they get scattered, they lost their homes and they're enslaved, but God in his love saved some of them, right? And brought them back to the promised land, right? You remember that from Ezra and Nehemiah. But then as far as we know, God chose not to speak to his people for 400 years, which left some wondering if God was really with them. And then all of a sudden, bursting out of nowhere, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? Which means God with us. God comes to dwell with his people, to walk alongside them again, just as he had done in the garden with Adam and Eve, even though they disobeyed him. Even though Israel disobeyed him and didn't trust him, didn't want him, he came anyways, out of a love for his people that we cannot fathom. And he came in this same way. Right? At Christmas time, not because we were good and trusting, but because he is good and loving. He came as a baby on that very first Christmas to grow up and to tell us this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Notice this and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters, this is something that all of our souls crave, right? Because we live in a painful, hard, broken world. And a lot of you have gone through a lot of really hard stuff this year. And for some of you, you know that the year ahead has a lot of hard stuff in store. 
our souls crave rest. And God says, where do you find that rest for your soul? He says, come to me, that you would be in my presence and you will find that rest for your souls. And so I want to speak to both Christians and to people who are not yes Christians because we both need to remember this equation that we've been talking about. God's work plus God's presence equals rest for the human soul. If you are not yet a Christian here tonight, but you recognize your sin and you realize deep down that you want that rest for your soul, I'm here to tell you because I've tried and there's a lot of people around here who've tried. You're only going to find it in one place. It's God. It's God. God's son, Jesus, died on the cross in your place for your sins so that you could be in God's presence both now and forever to find that true rest for your soul. And so if this is you tonight, if you want to give your life to following God, then you need to tell God these three simple things. A, B, C. Admit that you're a sinner, that you are far from perfect, that you fall short of God's perfection. B, believe that Jesus is the perfect son of God who paid for your sins with his blood and came back to life, showing himself as God. And then C, call on God to be Lord and King of your life. Say, God, I want to follow you. God, I want to trust you. I want to obey you. I want to live with you in your presence. And if you do that tonight, I would encourage you to um, tell the Christian that you came with. If you didn't come with any Christians, come find me after. I would love to talk to you further. Um, They're going to be overjoyed. If you tell them, I'm going to be overjoyed. If you tell me, and they can help you with the next steps in following God. And for all the Christians that are in this room, you need to remember this. God has already done this work in you. Remember that God's work part, right? When you're saved, God did that work in you. And who dwells inside you? The Holy Spirit. So who already has access to his presence? Who's got the presence of God in them? You, right? The key to finding rest for your soul in all the pain of life is to trust him and to obey him, right? That's where you will find that rest. No matter your pain or your struggle, that's the answer for the rest for your soul. It's the presence of God. And so I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to press into God's presence, right? Some of you are going through really hard stuff. Press into God's presence. He says, come to him, you who are heavy laden, right? Cry out to God. Find your comfort in God. Tell him your pain. Be honest. He wants you to. But then also tell him that you love him and that you trust him. And then what do you do? You obey him, right? According to his word, according to the things that he has laid out in the Bible. Rest in God's work, Christians. Stop trying to do stuff. Stop trying to change stuff on your own, right? Let him change your mind. Let him change your heart, right? God doesn't promise to change our circumstances, but he does promise to change you. And I can attest to the fact, along with many of you in this room, that having your heart changed by God is even better than God changing your circumstances. Because heart change lasts. And we live in a terrible world. And so bad circumstances are going to come all 
the time. Let God be the one to do work in you. Trust him, obey his word. Our greatest present this Christmas is the present God gave to humanity that very first Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And when we love God's presence and we trust him to make changes in our souls and live in obedience to his word, we will find rest for our souls this Christmas. That's a promise from God. Would you cling to that promise this Christmas? Cling to that promise as you walk and live in a broken and painful world because there is hope, there's joy, there's peace, and there's rest for your soul found in that baby who lay in a manger that first Christmas night. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you, and man, I'm excited because that promise is unbelievably um, mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing that you would offer us your presence, that you would offer us rest, God, because I don't know about everyone in this room, but I need your rest desperately, Lord. And I have a feeling I'm not alone. So I pray for each of us. Would we find rest in the presence of God? For some here in this room, would they find rest in you that very first time in salvation? And for the Christians in this room, would they cling to you? Would they cling to your presence, trust in obedience? Lord, would they love you? Would they run to you when there's pain and there's hardship and find your promise to be true? that there's rest for their souls. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the gift of your son, born in a manger, the king of the world, coming for a purpose, to die for our sins so that we could have life with God himself and be in his presence. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. In your precious, powerful, and holy name we pray. Amen. At this time, I'd like to say a Christmas blessing of presence over you. It's based on Psalm 23, so you might recognize the feel of the words. Like the psalmist does, I'm going to be saying I and me to reflect the feeling of my own heart. But if you follow Jesus, please hear yourself in these words. Jesus, you are my protective guide. With you, I have everything that my heart and soul and mind need. I don't have to frantically grab at all the things that I think I need because by giving me yourself, everything that my soul needs for nourishment is all around me and always available to me. And so my striving can cease. I can be still like a glassy pool. Oh, Emmanuel, your unconditional provision is life and breath to my soul. When I go to step into my day, you will always provide the next right thing for me to choose as my path. You do this because I belong to you and am sheltered under your name. Life has a way of getting cloudy and murky and making me feel like there's no spark of life to give light to my spirit. But Jesus, when I remember who you are and what you do and that you're right here beside me, I just have to laugh at the evil one's scare tactics. I feel so much better knowing that the authority and strength 
of your way and your word are right here with me. And so, instead of feeling threatened by the presence of things that can cause fear or guilt or shame, I can relish the victory of my identity in you. In you, I am royalty. In you, I am chosen. Oh, Emmanuel, my identity in you makes me feel joy that overflows into every part of my life. Your goodness and your love are the legacy that I see every time I turn my head and look back on the story of my life. And I only see your love and your goodness stretching out as far as my eyes can reach ahead of me. My past, my present, and my future are anchored in the fact that you, Emmanuel, are my true home. So Jesus, thank you for Christmas. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.